everybody. You are listening to the 39th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP, where we talk about baseball, drinks, Reebok, pumps, and everything else under the sun. I am DeCarlo Calloway, alongside Dorian, and on today's podcast, we strike a pose in Mexico. Watch the debut of the new superhero in Wander Franco Vision. Go back to the farm and hear our sneakers squeaking in the gym. Of course, we're going to start this episode like we do all of our previous 38 episodes by discussing what it is that we are drinking. So today I am drinking homemade cold brew coffee, but I used a little Italian roast coffee in order to do this. I have my own homebrew system, so I just got to grind up the beans, put it in to the water, put it into my refrigerator, let it sit for about 12 hours, and it's perfect, especially being that it is the summer now it is officially summer because, yes, the summer solstice took place earlier this week. And when the weather gets hot, you really don't want to drink a hot cup of coffee. And I am a good – like, I love drinking coffee, as you guys know, because, you know, if you've listened, I've had coffee a bunch of times while we've been recording. So I am enjoying this this evening. And now i got to pass it over to my man, Dorian, because i got to hear what he's drinking and the story behind that. So what's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing very well. Carlo. Very well. Happy, happy summer. Happy summer solstice. I feel like we should be like those Swedes who still who are still worshiping the ancient Nordic gods when they have uh, mid midsummer, right? And then the, all the pretty Swedish girls they wear their pretty Swedish dresses and they wear their things. I don't. I actually don't know what the Swedish men wear. Maybe they just run around naked. That's why they're never on. Well, they go all over like the archipelagos because, like you know, people forget like Sweden has like a bunch of like little like islands, especially like yeah, like Stockholm is a city on an archipelago. You ever been to Sweden? That's before? true. Yeah, I've been to Stockholm. I, I really, I really like Stockholm. They actually make great coffee. Swedes are huge in coffee. They're coffee connoisseurs. Mm. They uh, they get it from all over. They get it from Ethiopia, from Turkey. They're big, big coffee drinkers. But yeah, I actually almost caught hypothermia when I was in Sweden. <laughs> No, truthfully, like seriously, I it was uh I went in the dead of February when I was in graduate school and uh you know I it, it was pretty bad because the night before like I was up 36 hours because it was oh just like God. one of those things like oh we gotta catch a flight early in the morning so let's just drink all night. And we did that and flew out and of course this is like Ryan Air, so it's like you're on like you know, they take uh, you to the damn airport that's like three hours away from the town. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we like walk around the city, and yeah, just that night I stayed in the hospital. I had like a mental freak out, uh, but I was okay though. I just took a nice like long shower. But anyway, I'm gonna, I digress. I'm sorry, but yeah, <laughs> Stockholm's a great town. Just if you go in the dead of like winter, make sure you wear proper layers and are not walking around in Chuck Taylor All Star sneakers and stuff. And also, if you have to, if you have to go to Sweden or Norway or Finland in the middle of in the dead of winter, drink a lot of coffee. But today, I'm drinking, per usual, DeCarlo loves his coffee. I love my good American beer. I'm drinking. I just had a sip. It's called, it's from a good American brewery. It's called Wanderlust. It's a Belgian-style blonde ale from a local brewery called Lake Ann Brew. It's in Reston, Virginia. And the funny thing is that this, <laughs> we, uh, I, the first time, the, well, not the first thing, but what, what I remembered when, when I saw the name of this beer, Wanderlust, is everyone who's active on social media, they always, uh, certain people always have that hashtag, 
wanderlust. And it made me think of a, of a baseball player named Fernando Rodney. Now, for Fernando Rodney, he is a right-handed relief pitcher. And he's played for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 11, 11 Major League Baseball teams. If you like baseball, Fernando Rodney has played in your team. He, he's he was like drafted the same by, ilk by like Bartolo Colon, who's like played for everybody and just basically. And they're both uh, they're both Dominican uh, and um, one second. So anyway, so what I was saying, so Fernando Rodney, he last appeared in Major League Baseball back in 2019 with the Washington Nationals, and he earned a big fat World Series championship ring. So good for him. He had a. Everyone, if you're a baseball fan, again, like I said, you, he's either played for your team or you know his style because he was a guy, as a relief pitcher, he would always wear his hat tilted. I think he would have it tilted to the right. He never wore his cap, his baseball cap straight on. So you know it drove old school baseball people insane because he didn't respect Tommy the game. Yeah, people like that. And after he actually, after he saved the game, his signature move was a bow and arrow. So he would just like, you know, go back and bah, like he just killed the other team with a bow and an arrow. So, and what I love, and DeCarlo said, he's almost like the, he's, the, uh, he's another version of Bartolo Colon. Fernando Rodney is still pitching. Homeboy is 44 years old. DeCarlo, that's something to look up to. If he's doing that at 44, what can you do? at under 44. So Fernando Rodney is still pitching at 44 years of age in the Mexican baseball league called the LMB for the Toros de Tijuana, the Bulls of Tijuana. Also on the on the Bulls of the Tijuana, Toros de Tijuana is Williams Perez, who was a former Atlanta Braves pitcher. Cheers to him and you can also always send us tweet 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 Twitter. You can tweet us at our Twitter by sending a picture of your hashtag wanderlust, hashtag take me back pictures with your drink. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. Oh, I'll probably know. be sending you some, uh, or a tag, I won't say sending you, I mean, like, ow, but no, uh, <laughs> tagging some wanderlust photos myself, especially over the summer, because I'm going away, I need a vacation, and I'm looking forward to it, but anyway. But I, I'm I'm gonna okay I'm gonna give one restriction to one person who sends it in and that's the Carlo. Your restriction is you have to you have to be sitting at the edge of a pool with your back, doing the peace sign with a pina colada saying "Take me back." No I'm joke. <laughs> that's a very female. Uh, yes, if you ever watch on Instagram, yes, please, especially during the pandemic. Oh my God, in 2020 is like take me back, you know, hashtag 2019, hashtag 2018, 2013, uh, hashtag, hashtag 1745. Yeah, hashtag missing Tulum or, you know, whatever. Oh, the ladies that go to Tulum are usually of a, of a different ilk. But anyways, we won't go there. What, that good, that, that party girl ilk? What are we talking uh, about? Sure, we'll call, we'll call a girl that ends up going to Tulum a lot a uh, party girl. That's anyways, yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> there was a party. There was a party in the Tampa Bay area because it was the debut of the number one prospect in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays infielder, Wander Franco. WandaVision. This guy's going to be the new superhero of Major League Baseball. Mark my words. I'm not, I'm not breaking any news, people. I'm just restating the facts. Uh, Franco was promoted uh, from his uh, minor league club, the AAA Durham Bulls. Now, 
the Durham Bulls are actually the team that Kevin Costner play, played for in his 1988 film, uh, Bull Durham. And we talked about Kevin Costner. We actually went on a while talking about Kevin Costner's film, filmography or IMBD page back in episode 33. So you check that out for a good laugh because that was a really good impromptu conversation about Kevin Costner. But anyways, um, up comes Wander Franco. He is a switch-hitting stud. He's 20 years old. He's from, stop me if you heard this, the Dominican Republic. How, imagine, DiCarlo, if, if Dominican Republic said, we're going to put a man on the moon, and they, 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 and they decided to stop playing baseball, they could probably do it within 10 years. It, it's the amount of baseball talent coming out of the island yeah, but they would also need the the you know the material to do that. It's kind of hard. When yeah, they would just start hitting baseball ball baseballs up there first, and then I don't know. I'm just talking nonsense. Yeah. So, anyways, Franco's from the Dominican Republic, and he already has a nickname. A few episodes ago, we we're talking about yeah, Mig Mercedes nickname being the Germinator, and I wanted to have a nickname for who was the player that I said the other day. Um, I don't remember right now. I'm gonna just keep yeah, drinking yeah. my. Was it Frembert? I don't know. Like I, I don't know. I can't remember. Thank you, my friend. You just saved me. Frembert Valdez. Yeah, because that name is stuck in my head all week. I've just been walking around like Frembert. And I, I don't know. It's just, you know, like, shout out to all our Dominicans. But we have to, like, I got to be real. Like, Dominicans have some very interesting names sometimes. Like, you'll come across like a Frembert or a, you know, Johanli. You know, it's, they're very creative with their names. And, it's, I like, and they're memorable. So when you come across something like that, you're, you're going to remember. Like, Yermin. You know, those are not typical Hispanic names, but they're very it's, memorable. It's not just Dominicans, it's care it's people in the Caribbean. The Cubans That's also true. have some interesting name like Usnavi, which is basically spelled US Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just leave it yes, at Yes, that. yes, yes. Oh, really? <laughs> Did you watch uh, In the Heights? <laughs> no, no, but I, I've heard it. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, but, yeah because the, the main the character's movie name from, is Gustavi. Yeah, the new movie from Lin Manuel uh, what's his name? Miranda, Miranda yeah. Yeah, the main character's name was Gustavi. So yeah, and even Lin Manuel. That's kind of like when I first heard the name without seeing his face, I thought it was like, is he like Asian? Is he Filipino? But yeah, he's Puerto actually Puerto. Exactly, he's Puerto Rican. So Lin Manuel is not also the most common name. But I but we digress. So he's from the uh, Wander Franco. Vision is from the Dominican Republic, and he already has a nickname. His nickname is El Patron, meaning in Spanish the boss. Kind of like. Bruce Springsteen, maybe, I don't know. And back in February, when he was invited to spring training with the Tampa Bay Rays, he said, quote, what did he say? He said, of course I'm ready to play in the big leagues, end quote. He's so good. And he actually finally debuted on the 22nd of June at home in Tampa at the Tropicana Field with the Boston Red Sox play the Tampa Bay Rays. DiCarlo, he, and we actually retweeted this on our Twitter handle at HBP. 4040, he arrived in a war in a gleaming white Rolls Royce. You'll be happy to know that he wasn't driving. Somebody drove him, but maybe it was his father. I'm not sure. But he came, and it was just a gorgeous, gorgeous car. Just people use the internet machine and look up Wander W-A-N-D-E-R Franco Rolls Royce. It is a beautiful car for those of you, for those petrol heads out there. Um, and I'm thinking to Carlo. When you went to your first job, how did you get there, my friend? Because I know how I got to my very first paying job. <laughs> my mom dropped me off. 
And it, believe me, it was not a Rolls Royce. It was, I have no idea. I don't remember. Maybe it was a Hyundai. Maybe it was a Toyota. It was not a Rolls Royce on my first day of work. So shout out to Mr. Franco. Shout out to El Padron. So, but also what made me think to Carlo is him arriving in a white Rolls Royce. I don't want to see Wanzer Franco in a 30 for 30 special of Gone Broke, like in the year 2040. Because he did sign back in 2017 as an international uh, as an international prospect for 3.8 million dollars. That's a lot of money, but that's a one-time check. So he hasn't been getting paid three million dollars a year. He's been getting paid minimum since then. So three three million three point eight million dollars is life changing, but it doesn't set you up for life. That is a lot of money. But like Chris but Rock said, we don't know what endorsements he might have received in the process. That's true. Because but even he's then, coming out like that, like. You have to think, what was it? Uh, I know Mike Trout, he had deals too when he got drafted. And, you know, Bryce Harper too. So I think he, you, know, you probably have to take into consideration that is likely he probably has some side hustle deals that have already been established. Which, so you're saying he's an Uber driver? Okay. Yeah. Possibly. Maybe the Uber, maybe the Rolls Royce okay. is Uber. <laughs> yeah. I think it, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, 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 it's an option that's not given to proletariat like us. We only get the black car option. We don't get the Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce speak option. Speak for yourself. I'm a damn proletariat. <laughs> All right. So one of us proletariats is going to continue with this. So Franco, he lived up to the hype on his debut night. He started at third base. He made some really great defensive plays. And in his first at-bat, which everyone was very excited about, he walked. That's good. And then... He and then the second time he came up to bat at the bottom of the fifth inning, he hit a three run home run to tie the game at five all five five. And it was, and it wasn't like a normal home run where sometimes you see the pitcher obviously didn't locate the ball and it just comes right down the middle. He actually went down to search for it and he just, it was, I don't want to say a golf swing, but a maybe a hockey. I don't know. It was just, it wasn't the most natural swing, but the point is that he managed to get down there. Grab the ball with grab the ball, hit the ball with the barrel, and out it went. It was beautiful to watch people, and he ended up finishing with two hits uh, at three at bats. He got walked once at when he hit the home run. Everyone in Tropicana Field was yelling out "Wander Franco, Wander Franco," and he came out of the dugout and he like you know he did his clapping That's and stuff like that. That a lot of Yankee fans live in Florida now. If they're using chants. Like they're chanting the way the people do in Yankee. They wouldn't be doing it for the race. Tropicana. I, I, I am very familiar with the Tampa Bay area, and I will give you that there are a lot of New Yorkers in the Tampa Bay area. But those New Yorkers are not Tampa Bay race fans at all. They all walk around with their Yankee cap or with their Mets cap. More often, the Yankees cap, and also because of the Yankees minor league team, the High A or the High A doesn't even exist anymore. The Tampa Bay, the Tampa Tarpons, I think that's what they're called. Anyways, they're in Tampa. But then also, isn't like the Yankees farm, uh, what is it, Steinbrenner Field or whatever? It's around Tampa, isn't it? Exactly, because he had his house in um, uh, in the Tampa area. So yeah, the Tampa Tampa Tarpons are playing George uh, George Steinbrenner George M Steinbrenner Steinbrenner Field. My lips are about to go wanderlust because I, I I can feel some uh, slippage coming here with pronunciating the words. Anyways, unfortunately, even though the superhero Wando Franco Vision 
had a really great debut. He managed to tie the game. The Red Sox, the Reds. The Dude, Red Sox. You really are like walking over your words right now. It's, My friend, I promise you, I was not drinking before we started recording this. Yes, he was. And um, again, like I said in a few episodes ago, the more I drink, the better I sound. The Red Sox ended up winning, unfortunately, in, a, in extra innings. In 11 innings, they won 9-5. to five. Everyone's very excited that Wander Franco's up, not just Tampa Bay Rays fan, but baseball fan, all these, proce- all these uh, prospect journalists. The problem is that the Rays have lost seven consecutive games. Last week, this team had the best record in Major League Baseball. They lost the series against the Chicago White Sox, who then took over the best record in baseball. And the Rays have not been able to win a game. They got swept in Seattle in a four-game series. Seattle, they're not even that good. Anyways, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that the Rays have lost seven in a row. But what can we do? Like I said earlier, Franco was signed for $3.8 million back in uh, the summer of 2017. And at that time, he was the second-rated prospect behind the great Japanese player Shohei Otani, who's just killing it over at the Los Angeles Angels. And in 2017, Juan Franco was 13 years old. And they gave him a press conference. They gave him a press conference. That's how good he's been. This guy's been a prodigy for basically all of his life. I mean, the kid is, what, 19 years old? I don't even know. But anyways, Franco, he's been uh, flying up through the minor league system. He actually uh, he's, he was promoted as a youngster to single A ball. And then they, the Rays skipped him from single A Normally, you go to double A and then triple A and finally the majors. He went from single A, skipped double A, and went straight to triple A. Where people, if anyone's who's been paying attention, to Kevin Costner's former team, the Durham Bulls at triple A in North Carolina. This sounds like a smart kid. I mean, no, I mean, he probably is a smart kid. But what I'm saying is, you know how smart kids actually skip grades? I wasn't skipped a grade. I had to go through every <laughs> I remember someone, I, DeCarlo, I remember someone when I was, I, we went, to, when we started fifth grade, some girl, a young, a young lady, she skipped from third to fifth grade. Oh, she wow. skipped fourth grade. She was a smarty pants. I don't, I absolutely, I don't remember her name, but the, I remember this girl when I, I saw that Franco got skipped over. He didn't get skipped over. He skipped over double A. Mm. Do you come, do you come across, uh, you know, kids that can do that? Um, when I was younger, I there were okay. people I, I knew who were younger and, um, you know, like a grade or two ahead. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's good. It might be good for people academically, like to be a wonderkin, but at the same time, emotionally and, you know, when it yeah, comes to maturity, they're, they're still kids. They're still kids. And that could be a lot of weight on those people's soldiers because, shoulders, because then in terms of the socialization that needs to take place to kind of give you a well-balanced personality, they're kind of a little bit, you know, awkward in social settings because it's difficult to socialize with people who are ahead of you grade-wise, age-wise, and, you know, the recognition that you have for making that jump is your intelligence. So they're intimidated by it too. So it, it's, it shows promise because their brains are able to make connections faster and pull out information and retain it at a quicker rate than others, you know, God bless them for it. But you know, there's always there's always sacrifices and stuff that can take place with that. But we'll see what happens when it comes to Wanda Franco. 
because, uh, you know, coming into a league, you can – there's always those who come up who have, like, a lot of promise or are viewed as probably next coming. And I think uh, previous Tampa Bay Rays, like, when they were the Devil Rays and when they first came up and, you know, they were looking at uh, players like Jamal Crawford and Rocco Baldelli who they were supposed to be like the catalyst to bring the team up. And Jamal Crawford ended up having a decent career for the most Basketball part. player Jamal Crawford? No, baseball player. You don't remember him? He was like a center fielder. He played Not for the Rays, all. played for the, Dod- the the Red Sox for a bit, I believe, too. Um, maybe I got his name wrong. But, anyway, but I no, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, you, you mean Carl, Carl, Carl Crawford. Crawford? Yes, Carl Crawford. <laughs> Say my bad. Jamal Crawl, whatever. Something that came to my mind. His, his brother Dion and his cousin Maria Crawford. Yeah. Yeah. So Carl Crawford, anyway. Carl Crawford, yeah, AKA, yeah. he has a nickname as well, The Perfect Store. Mm. That sounds I mean, like a, a late night romantic radio show. Well, that would be The Quiet Storm. And then they would always end with a little like. That's thunder, true. Like, but yeah, so it just reminds me of that. So hopefully, like, he could come in and have a decent career. And then you could have almost a matchup with him and Otahani, like you had with Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. Um, what was it maybe what, 10 years ago or something like that? And you always have like these generations of players. And it's good because Major League Baseball wants to have a crop of young players that, that, can, that can carry the, the sport in a way and keep people interested and occupied. So, But also I'd have to say another thing is, is – the importance of developing the farm system again, like we're seeing in baseball right now. I mean, the Rays, it, you know, Franco, I think one thing we have to keep in mind is that he originally came up as a shortstop. But in order for him to break through, they started, you know, having him play second base and third base so they could get him up because Tampa Bay already has a decent crop of players on their team so far. So it's, it's nice that they're looking at trying to build – a team not just around one player but around a whole squad in the same vein that you would see remember you remember the expos back in the 80s when they first came up and they had a really good crop of players like they had amazing players larry walker Mar- uh, uh marquise marcy grissom um pa- well later on you had pedro Bonner. vladimir guerrero yeah vladimir guerrero like all of them came up through their system and then you could even go to the the 90s Yankees where you had Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, um, Derek Jeter, of course, all these players who came, Mariano Rivera, who came up through the ranks to develop a strong team and have a strong backbone, or even like the Toronto Blue Jays with, you know, what was it Joe Carter, Roberto Alomar, John Olerud. That was a squad. They were right. They were killing it in the early 90s, man. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it'll be good to see if teams really invest that strategy, I mean, we also know a lot of teams that do invest in this strategy usually have, you know, are the, the more frugal of, uh, of teams the out there. The most frugal. Yeah. Yes, they are usually the most frugal. And then, when, cheap. and then when the team wins a World Series, a.k.a. Florida Marlins, twice, <laughs> they sell off all of their players. 97 to 2003, you remember? Like the mark squads, yeah, and they just like after winning the World Series, goodbye, bye everybody. Build up again, two thousand three. Have another squad, win the World Series, goodbye everybody, have fun. It's just like, oh, build them up, get a nice farm squad, and then once they show promise, make a little, you know, develop, win you a championship, then you sell them off, and then start, you know, anew again. But we'll see. 
it was a big deal when the Marlins won the World Series in 2003 in Miami. Everyone was happy. It was exciting because my there's no there's no city and I really I really mean this. There's no city that loves champions more like Miami. If you're on that if you're on that trajectory, oh, does my Miami loves you? Miami's not it's and it's not saying that Miami's full of frontrunners because it really isn't. Miami just loves the celebration, loves the moment, loves all that anticipation that comes with that championship run, whether it's the Miami Heat on their various championships over the past 15 years or the Florida Marlins and their surprise championships, to be completely frank, over the past 20-odd years as well. That was, uh, that was a fun time. And then, again, like DeCarlo said, all those players got sold off from the 2003 Florida Marlins, and a lot of them went to go help the 2004 Boston Red Sox. If that Florida Marlins team hadn't been broken up, Josh Beckett wouldn't have been on the Boston Red Sox. Um, I'm losing it. I think it was like three or four players from the from that Marlins team that ended up playing the very next year, and they won two rings in two years with two different teams. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who any else, but you can look yeah, it up. Yeah, but then the Yankees got Carl Pavano, who we paid $40 million, and it got pitched like 10 games. Okay, I'm not saying that just because you got a Florida Marlin on your squad, you're going to win a World Series. But what I'm saying is a lot of that nucleus of that 2003 team, they went, like I said, three or four, only three or four of them, but it was a good, it was, they were really good players. Went to the Boston Red Sox, abracadabra, the Red Sox win the World Series in 2004, and Theo Epstein is seen as, as boy wonder. Sure, because he, because well, the Marlins he, he also did it with the, the Cubs, so you can't take away. The fact that Theo Epstein, he did I'm not that. saying he's no good. I'm not saying he's no good, my friend. I'm saying he got his Chicago Cubs opportunity based off of the, I think, the two championships he helped bring to, to Boston. So if yeah. he hadn't won that first one, he probably would have been fired. He, he, they probably would have been a really good team. Those Red Sox team of the mid-2000s, gone deep in the playoffs, maybe even had a World Series appearance or two. But if they hadn't won, he wouldn't have gotten that opportunity with Chicago. He probably get another opportunity with like Kansas City, Arizona. No, he would have probably got a big market team if he was able eh. to consistently get the Red Sox. But even still, you know, Theo Epstein probably wouldn't have been there if Billy Bean would have decided to take the job when you know John well, Henry offered it to him. So, so yeah, it's it's all it's all as going back to our film stuff. It's all sliding doors. Very Gwyneth Paltrow of you, my friend. Oh my god, I hated that movie. <laughs> That was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Also, because it just seemed like it was so unrealistic. Like, sorry, I'm going to go on a rant about British movies. The like, 1998 film, Sliding yeah. Doors with, with Paltrow and... Uh, Who's the other guy? Exactly. Who's the other guy? They uh, had her along with some it, some dude who was, like, not up to Gwyneth's, like, stature. Like, at least put, like, Clive she's, Owen. She's cute. Gwyneth Paltrow's cute. Yeah, she's not but she gorgeous, also but she's ended cute. Up, She's cute. Yeah, she's she's rich white girl cute. No, seriously, because like Hampton's like rich white girl, like I right, you know, right. it's like free type cute. But you know, at the same time, she she carved herself a good career and she at least deserved like a Clive Owen. Not some dude who looked like the guy from Cocktail, and I'm not talking about Tom Cruise, but anyway. Uh-huh. Wait, what are we talking? Are we talking about Wander Franco? We're talking about uh, we just went all over the place. Who knows? Sliding doors, yeah, sliding uh, basically doors. how Theo Epstein, how these different situations in one's life 
it's not just one thing. We don't make decisions in vacuums is what I meant about 2004 Boston Red Sox having a bunch of players from the 2003 Florida Marlins. But they, all those guys that went from the Marlins to the, the, the Red Sox, Wander Franco showing up in his gleaming white Rolls Royce, Fernando Rodney wearing his style, the very stylish tilted hat with his bow and arrow. All these men have style. Either you have it, and you can also sometimes buy it. Yes, and in order to buy that stylish stuff, you got to hit a VIM. The best jeans and sneakers store in America. Yeah, man. So whenever you want to get your pair of lugs, you want to get some Nietzsche, you want to get some of that Mecca, you want to make sure you check out VIM, homie. Oh, don't forget the Mountain Gears with the steel toe. So whenever you feel as though you want to catch up on your, your boots, your, your jeans, your sweaters, and especially your sneakers, hit up VIM. VIM, remember, the best jeans and sneaker store in America. So speaking about sneakers, man, I, I feel as though you got a beef with people who rock them because apparently you, you got a, a bunch of people going into hiding who wear sneakers. What's up with that? Yes, but before we, we, send, we tell people to grow a beard and it goes to hiding, I want to tell our listeners that the reason that Carlos sang the theme song, not the theme song, the, the jingle from VIM, is because they didn't get their music in fast at, at time, in time. So DiCarlo had to ad-lib it and sing their jingle as opposed to you actually hearing their actual jingle. So our co-host is, is, is very smart. He's very talented. So, yes, you, you can find the best jeans and sneakers in America at VIM. But at the same time, I have a little beef. Not a beef. I'm not a big fan, as DiCarlo was hinting at when our next segment, Grow a Beard and Go a Dieting, of sneakerheads. I've never understood the point of buying, of not buying, having, I have no idea, 50 pairs of sneakers, 100 pairs of sneakers. Who knows? And the reason this got off in my, this, the reason this got just like a match lit in my head is because a while ago I listened to a podcast from the, the BBC world news. I'm sorry, the BBC world business news podcast. And in it, they were interviewing people that are called sneaker authenticators in England. And so these sneaker authenticators, they examine sneakers to make sure they're actually what they say they are because also people for sneakers, people spend hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars on one pair of sneakers. And so they have to be authentic. They have to be authenticated. And I'm like, what a ridiculous job. Some of these people are like looking at the, the tags, how words are written or stitched on the, the sneaker. And they also smell it. So they, they know like the glue that was used or I don't know. I'm like, this is such nonsense. I am, as you can tell, I am not a sneakerhead. And so when I listened to this and later on, I found out that sneakerheadism, I just made that up has now percolated into Major League Baseball. They're even baseball umpires who are usually like middle-aged white guys are wearing the Jordans. There's a, there's a Major League umpire, Major League Baseball umpire by the name of Hunter Wendelstead. He wears Jordan 11 Jubilees. What that means, I have no idea. 
But the point is that Hunter Wendell said wore his Jordan 11 Jubilees during a nationally televised game on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball back on the 9th of May. This game was between the Philadelphia Phillies and my beloved Atlanta Braves. And there's another Major League Baseball umpire named uh, Alfonso Marquez. He is a self-described sneakerhead. Homeboy owns 250 sneakers. How do you, why? Like, DeCarlo, what, what, what are your thoughts on this? Are you, are you, are you, do you, what are you, are you a sneakerhead? Like, what were your favorite sneakers growing up? Or what are your favorite sneakers now? Are you, whatever. I would be a sneakerhead if I could afford to spend a lot of money on sneakers. But I'll, I'll tell you this. Well, for one, if you see the designs of a lot of sneakers now, it's pretty artistic. Like, people forget that clothes especially the high-end designers in fashion, they look at it as wearable art. You know, you are in essence, what you are, what you wear, or it's a reflection of who you are personally. We tend to, you know, wear clothes based upon colors, stuff, whatever the case may be. But then you also have a lot more investment in terms of people who are actually developing sneakers. You'll have big time artists, like street artists or fashion designers who design sneakers and will do a drop of just a very limited amount of sneakers out there. And because of that, they have a lot of value. So they get sold for high, for a lot of money. Then also it's just, it's, it's culture too. In terms of hip hop culture, in terms of basketball culture, like people wear sneakers and it, it is a big part of mainstream culture now. Um, and it's a lucrative business. Like if you look at, like StockX, which is a main like internet sneaker distributor, and they get a lot of these high-end um, rare sneakers where people can bid and auction one another. It's almost like eBay for sneakers. And um, there's a lot of money in that. And it, it, it makes sense. I, I get it for those who don't come up in, say, like sneaker culture. So if you grow up, like I'm from New York. So growing up and being in school, having a fresh pair of Air Force Ones or Uptowns as we call them in New York um, or the latest pair of Jordans. That's how you people knew like you were somebody like, oh, yeah, you got dope Jordans. But then at the same time, that also led you to have to deal with people trying to steal your Jordans, too. So That's it's exactly not as, what I was thinking. Yeah. So it's not as though like it was it is a big statement. And that's how people kind of rock it. It's like, yo, I got my fresh J's. I'm going to school, I'm showing off. So a lot of that has transferred because when people of our generation who grew up doing that are now in positions of like jobs and umpires and stuff, there's certain things you kind of stick around with. And that's one of those things. And especially because now it's become more acceptable to wear sneakers in professional settings. Like you have you know, people wear whatever practically they want to wear at work in, in some sectors. So that that's kind of drawn in itself into it as well but you know I, I i'm cool with sneaker culture i think it's ridiculous sometimes that you know there are sneakers that are like twenty five thousand dollars i think that's crazy what the hell okay what sneaker is worth twenty five thousand dollars? no but, the, but no, I, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not saying you're lying but tell me which what sneaker is worth twenty five thousand dollars well, it depends. Like that's well, but then again, what is what is anything worth whatever dollar amount? That's all a creation based upon what people put value on it, and the fact that it's rare and might be designed by somebody, and the demand is high, then it allows for them to be able to create that market and create that price because there are people who are willing to pay for it. So 
Yeah, I mean, everyone's wearing, everyone's making sneakers now. Balenciaga is making sneakers, Dolce Gabbana. It's it's not just your Nike and Reeboks and, and Pumas and stuff, but I'm not against sneakers, people. I'm just against like people that actually spend so much ridiculous money on sneakers. It's like there's a time and a place for everything in our lives. Like, does a 40, 50, 60 year old man need to be running around with $300 sneakers? Or if they have the Yeezys from Adidas, over a thousand dollars worth like come on no I mean, you can buy nicer shoes than that but that being said i try to be uh as a former news channel used to say fair and balanced wink wink i'm gonna share with carlo my my favorite sneakers was not when i was a young boy but because when i was growing up there were the word sneakerhead didn't exist but you, everyone nice sneakers still came out and my two favorite sneakers at carlo were a Nike's 1990 Jordan Air 6 infrared. These were all black and they had like slight red trimmings. They were absolutely gorgeous. Even as a young man, I'm like, these are beautiful. These are beautiful. I wish I had kept them because those original Jordan Air 6 are worth a lot more money than, than, uh, than what my family paid for them back in 1990 or whatever and everybody had them they were gorgeous and now everything you have is just the uh what do they call it? the re-release right the re-release the re-triple release i have no idea secondly in no particular order i'm just gonna give you two because these were two my two favorite uh shoes reebok 1996 the question alan iverson the but they came out in different versions. You know, one was like white. The ones I had were all black and they had the gold trimming around mm. at the bottom of the foam. I had the white and red ones. I had the black ones. They were beautiful. And the funny thing is that this whole little segment about, you know, people telling these sneakerheads to go in the grow, grow beard and go into hiding a while ago. And I mean, a while ago, I had just, I had a random thought in my head of, I would really love to get those old Allen Iverson shoes that I had when I was a young man, these Reebok from 1996 and just have them and just maybe go out into the, to a, to a court, uh, a courtyard and, and, you know, and, and play some basketball. Like I hadn't done that in, in forever, but those were my two favorite sneakers growing up. Did you have any favorite sneakers growing up? Uh, I know the George, like, I liked a few Jordans. Like, I used to wear Jordans a lot when I was younger. And then once I got to high school, it switched because girls weren't really going at dudes with sneakers like that. Or at least the girls <laughs> I was trying to. So then it switched to, like, diesel shoes. and um, I had some diesel shoes. Yeah, so it was, like, diesel shoes. The Velcro. Some in the wintertime. Like, that was just always a prerequisite for just being in New York. Um but yeah, I really I didn't go that. I was a dude who wore Uptowns a lot because I'm just like I'd prefer to have or or Air Maxes. I would say probably Air Maxes or Uptowns were probably the the go to because I just wanted to make sure I had sneakers that I could wear with any outfit. Not like because also it wasn't like I had money to buy a lot of sneakers to match outfits. It was like all right, I got one pair. I got to figure out how this could work with all these outfits. So yeah. That's that. That was me in sneakers growing up, and and what a, a sneaker, a pair of sneakers that I never got, and I, I I remember them. They were they're actually they're actually really beautiful. Were the 
Pen, uh, Penny Hardaway, if anyone remembers him, Anthony Anthony Hardaway, nicknamed Penny Hardaway. He had those all all those really funny commercials with yeah, uh, Little Penny. I had, little Penny. I had, I had pennies. I had his sneakers too. His, I think it was his first one. It was called uh, the uh, the the Penny Ones. I think Foam Post One. It was all blue. It was like ocean blue with a little bit of black at the very top uh, where the the laces go. Do you remember those ones? Yeah, I do. I, I think that came out in 95 or 97, whatever. I rem- And I remember being on a basketball court and people were, pe- nobody in the basketball court had those Anthony Hardaway, his first one, they called a Nike Air Foam Post one. But people were already talking about that saying, if you wear that, if you wear those shoes, you have to have game. You can't just walk on a basketball court with those ocean blue and black shoes at Anthony Hardaway, the phone post ones, and just suck. <laughs> they were great. Those, those shoes were crazy. I never, I never had. I was like, no, nah, I'm. Not. I was good at basketball when I was younger, but I wasn't that good. <laughs> so I never got those. I'm gonna stick with my Jordan. Jordan Air 6 and my uh, Reebok question, Allen Iverson. I love Allen Iverson. And uh, the, the all-black ones, though. So, yeah. And uh, so, sneakerheads, people, I'm not saying don't enjoy your life. Just be smart about what you buy. And you don't need 250 pairs of sneakers. You need, I don't know, have 10, have a dozen, have 20. Don't have 250. That being said, the best feet, the best sneakers that anybody have are pets. All four of their pets, their wings, the four of the pets, four of their little legs, their wings, or their fins, maybe. I don't know. They, they, they're they the best. They're the most stylish ones. We want us, we want you to send us a picture of your pets. Send, uh, our Twitter handle is at HBP4040 and use the hashtag HBPets, HBP. ETS. And before DeCarlo signs us off, we do want to give a shout out to three new listeners because like the Miami rapper Pitbull, we are misters worldwide. We want to give a shout out to two new listeners in Great Britain in Market Harbor, which is, uh, I don't know exactly right now. Maybe it's outside of Leeds or Leicester. Or Birmingham, I don't know where Market Harbor is. Any of the cities that are not London, <laughs> it's not London. Market Harbor, I believe it's outside of Birmingham. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm sorry, people. I uh, I've had a lot of this uh, hashtag wanderlust hash hashtag uh, take me back beer. <laughs> but shout out to our new listener in Market Harbor, and shout out to our new outside listener. of Leicester. It's in Leicester. Okay, there you go. It's in the rural part of Southeast Leicester. There you go. Go Foxes. You know, up up the foxes. Shout out to our new listener in Belfast, Northern Ireland, right across the Irish Sea. And lastly, our third and final new listener is from Johannesburg, South Africa. That was my horrible South African accent. So, but anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to us from South Africa and Great Britain and America and Russia and Vietnam and Colombia and Brazil. All over the world, baby. Here on planet Earth, we love you. Thank you. Yes, and that's a wrap for this episode. So thank you for all of the listeners. 
from all of the places all around the world. I always want to thank you for listening. Make sure if you are a new listener that you do subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at HPP4040, and our drinks will be in the show notes. Make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HPP Pitcher Baseball Podcast.